0: season sports fan teams up with a millennial opinions may vary but the debates assuredly won't disappoint check your sources it's the report old report here's your hosts john lund and al renato well al another exciting week in athletics, the kings of college football have fallen. The National Football League playoffs are set. And the Lakers, well, they've looked better. But we'll start with college football. And a story worthy of a Disney movie. Worthy of a 30 for 30. Worthy of tales down in Georgia for the rest of people's lives. As finally... Kirby smart was able to slay the dragon. That is Nick Saban and the Alabama crimson tide. The Georgia bulldogs after 40 years can finally say they are national champions of college football led on the backs of one Stetson Bennett. Who would have thought Stetson Bennett, the rise, the fall, the rise again would lead the dogs to a national title in somewhat, as the score lead you to believe, convincing fashion, although in typical Alabama fashion, the game was theirs for the taking in the fourth quarter with a lead, 10 minutes to go. You thought, here we go again. The storybook will write itself as it always does. And Alabama, even in a season where they're not the Alabama that we know, is still going to somehow find a way because a Nick Saban and a Heisman candidate throwing the ball to varsity high school wide receivers. But it was not to be. Stetson Bennett comes up with the biggest plays of his life. You blink. They've got the lead. You blink again. At the end of the game happens touchdowns for the defense betters in Vegas rejoice, And it's the Georgia bulldogs lifting the trophy and ending for a brief time, the dynasty of the Alabama crimson tide, because they could easily come back next season and do the exact same thing that they always do. But it was Georgia's time and you called it. We've been very hard on Kirby smart on this show. It's been his league to win year after year. And unfortunately, Nick Saban always has stood in his way. But you said, nay, nay, not this time. I'm back in Kirby Smart. This is the year. And it worked out. Look at the dogs. And hey, look at us.
1: Finally, the Kirby Smart defense, which has been very good for very long in his tenure, was great. They were great for all of 2021, except for one weekend when they got their heads handed to them after a 10-0 lead in the SEC title game. And they basically went back to work. They said they were not in shape. They said that the Alabama offense wore them out, that they were huffing and puffing. And Kirby Smart said that they spent that month Literally getting themselves in shape, their defensive linemen, the linebackers, et cetera. So they were ready to chase down the Heisman Trophy award-winning quarterback. So they were ready to attack, 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 and attack again. And they were relentless. They were in shape. They were ready. They were hungry. And quite frankly, both defensive lines dominated the game. But the Georgia defensive line and front seven was tremendous. They were heroic. They were everywhere. They looked like a jailbreak. Bryce Young had very little time to throw. He was pressured constantly. When he tried to get away from pressure, he was run down by this group of pass rushers and linebackers that can flat out run like the wind and hit like freight trains. Alabama was not able to run the ball. They were not able to finish drives. They were not able to take advantage of field position where they had to settle for field goals, having one blocked. And Georgia, which stumbled out of the block early and couldn't do much offensively, eventually started to be able to run the ball And their offensive line took over the game. They gave Bennett just enough time because he also was harried. He also was pressured. One terrible turnover on a questionable call, but probably the right call. Looked like it might flip the game in Alabama's favor, and it did for a few minutes. But that's when when Stenson Bennett, the fourth head, is fourth or third? It's fourth, right? Stenson Bennett the fourth, correct? That's right. I got my numbers correct? Yeah. That was his finest hour. Rebounding from the turnover. And I give Kirby Smart and the offensive coordinator credit. They came out throwing. He wasn't afraid. Three straight throws, three straight terrific throws, uh, put them in scoring position and then, you know, drew them off sides, got a free play. Great throw down the right sideline. Great catch by the freshman wide receiver. They take the lead and the defense did the rest. But there were a couple times where I was really questioning. Uh, Their strategy, Uh, they had a couple times gotten good chunks on first down and then ran a couple trick plays. Earlier series, they had a a second and four. They ran a tight end reverse uh, to not the hot shot, to not number 19, but to the other tight end. They lost yardage. And then I think what followed, I think the next play was the turnover on the rollout when he was pressured uh, that resulted in the goofy – quasi-throw-push-fumble uh, that headed out of bounds that they wound up calling a fumble eventually. Uh, the Alabama defender, nonchalantly, grabs it out of bounds and manages, not of his own doing, but really dumb luck because he didn't even think it was a fumble recovery. Stays in bounds by a shred. They get the ball, they score. And it looks like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. Goofy play. You know, Alabama gets the break on the first series where they rightfully reverse the Bryce Young fumble into an incompletion that would have been a touchdown. So they get their break, and now uh, Georgia gets the bad break. And it looks like somehow, someway, Alabama's going to pull this off. But Bennett takes them right down the field, scores the touchdown that puts them ahead on the long pass to the freshman, and their defense bows its neck, and they take over the game. They absolutely pause. Posit- now, look, Alabama had their – I don't want to say excuses, but they, that Mitchy wasn't there. Obviously, they lost Williams, which unfortunately, when it happened, I said ACL, uh, and that's exactly what it was. Terribly for him, first round draft pick. How that affects his draft stock will remain to be seen. He also does have a year of eligibility left if he wants to come back. But the bottom line is, they took it away. To their credit, they could have crumbled, they could have folded. They could have curled up, let Alabama steal it from them. They did not. They stood tall. Their defense took over, and they took the game away from Alabama. They took it away with pressure. They took it away with sound tackling. And Bryce Young had nowhere to go. Absolutely nowhere to go. He was pressured constantly down the stretch, in his face, knocking him down, sacking him when he rolled right. And they weren't just knocking him down gently. These were hits that a level above in the NFL maybe roughing the passer. They let you play in college. And I'm telling you, these guys hit like absolute freight trains. I don't see how some of these guys get up. And they get up and they get right in the guy's face, both sides. These guys are like guided missiles. You know, 6'3", 6'4", 240, 6'3", 220. And then you had the big guy in the middle, is about six foot two and, and three forty, who's making plays, and who admittedly said he was shot in the SEC title game. That they were sucking wind. That the pace of the Alabama offense tired him out. Not this time. They were fresh, and they wore Alabama out. It was the Alabama defense that was wearing down down the stretch. Because the uh, excuse me the the. Georgia offensive line took over the game and they were able to ram the ball down their throat. And I don't say it was good to see, but it was nice to see. It was nice to see Georgia have their day. Kirby Smart, who we ripped to shreds, yours truly, been annihilating him for years, inability to win the big game, bad clock management, terrible decision-making. This time, finally, especially down the stretch, all the right moves, and his defense simply took over the game and won him a national title. After Bennett came back nicely and got them the lead for the comeback drive, his defense made sure this game, this championship, this time is ours. And for the first time since 1980, led by the great Herschel Walker, probably the greatest freshman college football player, certainly of my lifetime and in history, since he led them to their national title in 1980, Georgia raises the trophy. Georgia wears the crown.
0: Herschel, uh, great on the field, not so much off it anymore. Let's uh, just that, leave that's it at great, great on. The, let's great just on the field. leave
1: it at great on the field. <laughs> great on the field, and move on.
0: Ten minutes left. After that fumble happens, you just get the feeling: here we go again. Though, this is it. Alabama takes, I think, four plays to score the touchdown, take the lead, and you're like, now here's going to come the mistake. What is Georgia going to do wrong here to quickly give the ball back to Alabama, a three and out? They had all the momentum in the world. You blinked, and four plays later, they take the lead right back, led by that dime from Stetson Bennett. He had a free what play, liked, he took a shot, I, and I it like was the best pass you saw
1: I loved the throws right out of the box. First and 10, good protection, nice, clean pocket, beautiful throw to start the drive. Yeah. That showed me something. Right. It a- showed me that there was no yards. fear. Here we go. Not intimidated. And to the offensive coordinator's credit, he showed the confidence in the quarterback to turn him loose. And I thought that was huge. If you come on a first down, run the ball up the net.
0: And then the other, it goes completely the other way. Just like we've been used to seeing Alabama do this to teams, Georgia does it. Three and out, and then they score. They have the lead by eight, and you think, okay, you still are giving hope to Alabama because of what we've seen all these years, what we've seen in the Auburn game. They're never out. And I thought once they got to midfield in that drive, now time obviously isn't on their side. They need to score. They need to get a two-point conversion. If they don't get the two, they still need time on the clock. But it seemed like Bryce Young just tried to get it all in one pass.
1: I agree. I I, I was surprised. Now, I thought, let me tell you though, the, the first
0: pass was it, and and he it dropped. He did have a great couple first passes before the interception. Where at that point he was kind of like, Jesus, let me just throw it up there at this point because my guys can't catch.
1: But I, I was surprised he was I thought be more patient, so especially because of the situation with the receivers. Yeah. I thought they would use the middle of the field. Let's get a first down. Uh, Keep it going instead, boom, he went for it you know, the deep, deep twice in a row. Yep. Uh, I, I thought he would be more patient. I thought they would try and run some things you know, over the middle, uh, you know, use the tight end, uh, use Robinson you know, out of the backfield where they completed a nice third down completion too because he's a really good receiver. I think he's going to be a good pro. Uh, I like him as uh, you know, one of those guys you, you get in the third, fourth round, maybe higher. Because he can do a lot of the things, especially you know in today's NFL, this guy's can go out there. He could catch 50 balls as you know out of the backfield. Uh, I, I like him a lot, but I thought they would use him more. I thought they would use the tight end more, and I, I you know they always thought middle of the field, and they went for it, and his young guys really weren't able to create any separation. Uh, and to the Georgia defensive backfield's credit, they covered well. They covered well.
0: Yeah, and that's. It- not taking anything away from the Georgia defense because that fourth quarter, like Nick Saban said after the game at Kirby Smart, you guys beat our ass in the fourth
1: quarter, and they did on both sides they dominated, of the ball They dominated the line of scrimmage. Yeah, What you usually see Alabama do in these games with basically their skill and their depth is where teams down, and you saw just the opposite here. Georgia took over both sides of the ball, And their offensive line and their front seven on the defensive side of the ball took over the game in the fourth quarter. It was impressive. It was impressive.
0: Can we do away as well with these day after early morning interviews for these poor kids? I can understand after the game, you know, Stetson Bennett, everybody and their mother wants to talk to him. Radio stations, local TV stations all sorts of interviews that they have to do. Kirby smart on sports center, et cetera. I understand all that. So it takes a little while for the team to like celebrate as a whole, but they'll do it. And then they'll keep celebrating as they should, especially as college kids. They're used to doing this on a Saturday night, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., please. We just won the national championship. You make that poor kid wake up to sit down and do an interview with Michael Strahan on good morning, America. You don't know if he's still drunk. You don't know if he's hung over. He doesn't know where he is. Either do the interview the night before and replay it in the morning. Still have the same effect. Everything's going to be okay. Or let these poor kids sleep off what happened the night before in the national championship. We don't need to get the three or four cookie cutter answers that he's going to give you. Let them enjoy the win, so you'll save face as a broadcast crew, and he could get a couple more hours of shut eye. Stetson, how many hours of sleep you get last night? I don't know, couple. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, time is. It just looks dogged out of his mind, as he should. I mean, put him on the late shows, will ya? I know those are shot at five o'clock Eastern or six o'clock Eastern. Sorry to burst everybody's bubble, but at least let him do that. He should be okay by that all I have to say for those poor kids. Every year they do it. They roll them out for Good Morning America. It's like, you know, you can't tell everybody what you were doing. Oh, how did you spend your night? Oh yeah. I immediately went back to the hotel to get some sleep because I knew I was coming on with you guys. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's El Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. So now we move on to the matter. at hand.
1: Now we move on to just absolute chaos. A wild final weekend in the National Football League. The extra week, 17. Really? 17? 17. Not 12. Not 14. Not 16. We're going to add one game? And as always as usual, no matter what they do, it always finds a way to work out to perfection. And it turns out to be one of the wildest, the first extra week, the first extra Sunday and Saturday, turns out to be one of the wildest final weeks in the history of the National Football League for playoff chaos for overtime, for elimination, absolute total and complete excitement down to the very last play of the very last game.
0: Here we were last week joking about there being no way the Colts could possibly lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but then remembering they haven't won in Jacksonville in quite a long time. And we laughed and said, it can't possibly happen again. Well, not only did they lose, they got ashamed to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence playing like he's still at Clemson. Taylor, the early, maybe he could be the MVP. 77 yards, non-factor. Carson Wentz had a shot to make the postseason, but we know how Carson Wentz feels about taking shots doesn't like it. It's his decision. Doesn't want to do it. Well, there's two shots you missed. Jacksonville wins and sends the whole rest of the day into a tailspin for the teams that have their last game matter. Because there were a lot of players sitting, not caring, teams already out of contention. You get those games, obviously. You got one team in New York punting on second down or Quarterback sneaking on second and third down so their punt would reportedly be easier and they wouldn't have to kick it out of the end zone. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, that coach thankfully has since been fired. The Pittsburgh Steelers, edge out your Ravens. Steelers, eight and a half total wins for the season that I had money on, courtesy of Evan Cohen, screaming that from the heavens in the summer that they'll never go 500 because that's not what Mike Tomlin does. Never a doubt, that cashes. Thank God, because that Detroit Lions tie was looming over my head. The Rams lose to the 49ers by three. The 49ers get in that game in overtime. Thrilling fashion. Dolphins fans are excited because they beat the Patriots. And we get to the last game in the AFC West when all the dust is settled. And we find out that the prediction, the joking, it all came to fruition that these teams could have just kneeled out the game and both would have gone to the postseason. Twitter was ablaze, wanting a tie. Maybe for the first time in football history, fans are screaming for a tie. Now I get why there wasn't a tie. Except in Pittsburgh, of course. Of course, they were frantic. I get why they didn't go for a tie, because they're two division rivals. You want to beat them and go. But I understand based on where the game was at the end, why you might consider it. And for the folks that scream from the rooftops that the NFL is rigged, <laughs> what a night it was for them all week long. People talking about this tie scenario and we're literally plays away from it happening until the chargers call timeout. The Raiders do another running play and gain 10 yards closer in field goal range. They kick it. They win it at the buzzer. They move on to the postseason. The Los Angeles Chargers continue to Chargers and get sent home. Do you think that decision for the timeout changed the universe? Butterfly affected what was going to be the end outcome where perhaps Oakland would have just Oakland Vegas would have just taken a knee or run it out and have been happy with the tie and everyone would have been thrilled
1: and the internet probably would have broke to be honest with you. I think it altered things. I think it altered the way the game finished. I think it altered the mindset. It altered the personnel when the know-it-all, Mr. Analytics, uh, Brandon Staley, who went for a fourth and two at his own 18, not when he was in desperate straits, but when he was behind, not in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter. And his defense... Got it done for him and bailed him out by only giving up a field goal. At that point in time, after going for fourth and two from his own 18, I texted Nick Wright, the great Nick Wright, who loves Brandon Staley, who is an analytics expert, advances analytics constantly. Uh, I texted to him one word, nuts. He texted me back, extreme. I had asked him and all those who will listen earlier in the week via text, will anyone have the guts in this analytically dominated world? Will anyone roll the dice and go for two on the last weekend of the NFL season with their season on the line, with their playoff life on the line? Will anyone, Have the guts to do it. He texted me back, Brandon Staley. And then we saw two opportunities that night for it to happen. Kyle Shanahan with all the momentum said, nope, I'm kicking the extra point. When they came back and they tied the Rams on a great drive by Jimmy Garoppolo when they looked dead in the water, interception, in a 17 17 game, down around the goal line to end the drive. Jimmy throws in the traffic. Rams go down the field 24 17. Surprise. Great catch by Cooper Cup. Corner of the end zone. San Francisco three and out. They punt. They give the ball back. Does it go for does it go for a fourth and long? And rightfully so. Brandon Staley. He punts on fourth and eighteen. 49ers gets the defense. The defense gets Jimmy G the ball back and Jimmy G takes him down the field masterfully. They score the touchdown and with a chance to go for two, they kick the extra point and play on into overtime and win in overtime. Opportunity number one. Then comes opportunity number two. Nick Wright's guy dead in the water down two scores. This is over. In Vegas, crowd going nuts. The Adonis quarterback takes him down the field. They get the touchdown and two point conversion. They're now within a touchdown. Get the ball back. Convert fourth down after fourth down at fourth and long, fourth and long, fourth and long. They keep it up. They keep doing it. They pull a rabbit out of the hat, and then after an incredible catch along the sidelines that they ruling really complete, they. Change the ruling. They call it complete. The young stud has one more chance on versus the last play of the game. And somehow, some way, the Raider secondary allows Mike Williams to get open in the end zone. And he makes a fabulous diving catch. And now Brandon Staley does indeed have his chance to go for two. To go to the playoffs or go home. And he kicks the extra point. And I just texted Nick Wright no guts. Then they go into overtime. They go back and forth. They each kick a field goal. Raiders have the ball back. And lo and behold, they keep showing the one Pittsburgh fan who now is having a shit hemorrhage. He's like, You gotta be bagging me. This cannot be happening. A tie got me into this situation, and now a tie is going to send me home. Why did I wear the, these clothes? Why am What am I, I doing in a Steeler jersey here in L.A.? Mike Tomlin already's has fallen asleep after he somehow, someway, sucked out again against my Ravens. And lo and behold, here comes Brandon Staley again. After a third and eight conversion on a great throw that got them just inside a midfield to keep the ball the raiders start running the football tick 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 nobody's calling timeout the clock is winding down it's about to strike midnight in pittsburgh the coach is going to turn back into a pumpkin Mike Tomlin is still asleep and then brandon staley says you know what let me call timeout with i think 38 seconds to go So I can get my run defense out there according to him. Meanwhile, they just stuffed the last run. So your run defense is fine. And Lombo against his run defense, after the Raiders have had the time to take a breath and formulate what they want to do instead of just letting the clock run and letting the Raiders in all probability run out the clock, Brandon Staley stops the clock. The Raiders think about it. They run for the first down. Tick, 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 tick. And then two seconds to go. Let's call timeout. And let's try and kick that game winning field goal that sends the great young quarterback and the analytics dominated fly boy, know it all coach home for the season. And as we talked about on this program last week, the Raiders have a great kicker who they have a lot of confidence in. And he was now in very makeable range, not a 58 yarder, which they would have never kicked. They would have never tried a 58 yarder. They would have run it out, taken a knee. I don't want to hear this notion of win, baby, but just win, baby, you know, Al Davis. All right. uh, You know, got to win the game. They would have gone for the one. They're not going to try and kick a field goal that's that long with the risk of being it blocked. Your job is to get your team into the playoffs. So you do everything possible to minimize the risk of losing the game. And if you try and kick a 58-yard field goal, you create a risk of losing the game. 47-yarder, much different. You take the 47-yarder and Chargers go home. And Mike Tomlin just woke up. We're going to the playoffs. And the Steel City breathes a huge sigh of relief. And the old noodle arm bum, Ben Roethlisberger, gets to take his hideous crew of Steelers into Kansas City and hopefully get annihilated. But it's the NFL. Who knows? A wild finish, a wild weekend. To his credit, the much maligned best line came from Buddy Ryan's son, Rex Ryan, who said about Brandon Staley, this guy was born on third base and he thought he hit a triple. What in the world are you doing? What are you thinking? You ended your team's season by calling that time out. Oh, well, you know, the Raiders, you know, they they, they knew that if they they tied, they were going to have to play the Chiefs. So they absolutely positively were going for the win, so they wouldn't have to play the Chiefs. My ass. That ball's still at midfield with the 48-yard line, and the clock's going down. They're running the ball for two yards. That's it. Game's over. Both teams go to the playoffs. So, Charger fans, you can thank your flyboy, know-it-all coach, that you are at home, and all of us get cheated out of watching this great young quarterback play in the postseason. Nicely done, Brandon Staley. If nothing else, why didn't you go for a two hot shot? Right. Why didn't you at least stay consistent and go for the win? You hit red how
0: many times in a row on that last drive? That two-minute drill that seemed to last two days? Standing at the roulette wheel, you're hitting the same number over and over and over again on the fourth downs. We're Vegas defense again, is
1: gassed. They can't stop you. You got this marvelous quarterback. Everybody's out there. Your receivers are ready. Your backs are all ready. The Raiders are in total chaos defensively. You kick the extra point. Why don't you go for two? That's right. You're busy going for a fourth and two at your own 18. That's a better play. Would you like to have those three points back, Hotshot? i an idiot. Idiot. If it's my coach, and I'm the owner. I tell him, Don't even get don't don't bother getting on the fucking plane. My season's over because you had to get cute. You had to get cute. You had to be the hot shot. You had to be the know it all. You gave away three points. Then you don't know, go for two. And then, oh, let me stop the clock. Let me stop the clock. Let me call timeout. Razor are calling timeout. They're letting
0: it roll. They gave up the big play, and that was it. So what for? And I know this is Justin Herbert's second year. We have a long time, hopefully, left to watch him play football. But as you mentioned about the owner, this is when you have to cash in on your young star franchise quarterbacks, no pun intended.
1: And these opportunities are fleeting. It's hard. It's hard. Schedules are hard. Injuries, retirements, free agency, anything can happen in the national football league. And it usually does just look what happened in Jacksonville. All you had to do was beat the worst team in the league and you got embarrassed. You got pummeled. You got thrown. They were never in this game. No, it looked like Jacksonville was playing to go to the playoffs and the Colts were the worst team in the league. That's how badly the Colts played. And how well Jacksonville played. This is a league where we have seen that anything can happen from week to week and season to season. And you pissed away an opportunity to go to the playoffs because you have a coach who thinks he's smarter than everybody else.
0: And the Raiders, meanwhile, get rewarded on Saturday, traveling to Cincinnati to play the Bengals who finished 10-7, and but you would have swore by the commentary around Joe Burrow for the last couple weeks that they went undefeated. So interesting scenario and storylines for that game because there's a lot of believers in Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals now.
1: Well, I'm certainly a believer in Joe Burrow. And this is one of the most interesting games of the weekend for me. So why don't we start there? since I believe it is the first game of the weekend. Yep, correct first game up. right out of the gate. So let's take them game by game while we have enough time. You rattle off the schedule. I'll let you lead off. Tell me what you think. Uh, the Vegas Raiders who found a way with their interim and hopefully uh, eventual head coach make their way into the playoffs against the go-go Bengals in the jungle. Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase, their offense, which has been hitting on all eight cylinders, with Joe Mixon, and T. Higgins from Clemson, and you know, the wild bunch on offense. He's turned into the second coming of Hurry out kids, Google them, old report special, the mad bomber Daryl LaMonica of the long, long ago Oakland Raiders before Ken Stabler. Before Jim Plunkett, after George Bland, with George Bland, Joe goes deep, baby. Join nickel and diamond. Joe's stepping up and he's looking long. Who do you like and why? I like the
0: Bengals and I like their offense more than the Raiders offense. I think last week might've been one of those that ended up being their postseason game type deals. Not to say that since he's going to blow them out, but being at home, That crowd's been hungry just to get to the postseason for years. It's going to be a crazy environment down in the jungle. And I'll give Joe Burrow and Co. the benefit of the doubt for this. Although last week we said everybody was talking Chargers, the boy wonder, this is it. And here's Derek Carr, that gnome-looking Marv from Home Alone after he gets electrocuted ass. He finds a way, somehow, some way, when you think that he's not going to be able to. So here's another opportunity for that to happen, but I like Cincinnati to move on. I'm not obsessed with Cincinnati thinking they're going to the super bowl, but I think they get through the first round.
1: I am going to agree. I do not give a lot of credence to, uh, you know, momentum at the end of the regular season. I think it ends as soon as you get into the playoffs, because it's a totally different mindset. It's a totally different world. Neither one of these teams with playoff experience, Derek Carr, remember last time they got there, he got hurt to his credit. These guys love him. I don't think he's anything remotely resembling a great quarterback. I think he's in the middle of the road to top half, but boy, oh boy, they play for him and they rave about him. Yeah, You, leave, you listen to these post-game interviews and every one of these Raider players swears by him. What do they talk about? A testament to the leadership of Derek Carr. Another instance when a quarterback has the locker room. The kid in Philly's got the locker room. Derek Carr's got the locker room in Vegas. We know Joe Burrow has the locker room in Cincinnati. I like his coolness under pressure. As long as Cincinnati does not give the game away with mistakes, I like the Bengals in this game, and I like them by ten. I like them to score early. I like them to score often. That Raider secondary is a mess, and unless Jamar Chase and company suddenly have, you know, a case of the dropsies, I see the Bengals winning this game, thirty to twenty. Love Joe B.
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato, I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. on John Lund, he's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And an exciting matchup for the nightcap. Patriots at Bills. Bills are giving away four points. We remember the three-pass game where the Pats got the best of Josh Allen. He responded in the rematch and beat them 33-21. The storyline for this game has become the weather. It's supposed to be somewhere around four-ish degrees in Buffalo. Not New England. They're used to these cold types of games. And Josh Allen admitting to us all that he has shitty circulation, apparently, in his feet. So when it gets real cold, he can't feel his toes. And he can't feel his feet. And it gets hard for him to run, which is part of his repertoire as a quarterback, as we know. So that's going to be his storyline. Does Joe, does Josh Allen have feet warmers? How is he dealing with the cold just so he could feel his toes? This is tough because I obviously would pick him over the quarterback of new England at this time, Mr. Jones and me, but Bill Belichick standing over there waiting to flip the bird to everybody that said he'd never do anything in the postseason without Tom Brady. And now it's his chance with some time to prepare. got to see this coming. Uh, It's really hard to go against Bill Belichick in this situation. And I'd rather not. I'll take New England in an upset just because of the Bill Belichick factor in this. And maybe it's just being too cold for Josh Allen to get his footing. No pun intended. I cannot
1: believe it's going to be too cold for the Buffalo quarterback at (laughs) Buffalo.
0: And people that covered him in college are saying the exact same thing. Like when he played in domes, when it was warm out, he was great. Those cold games though, it was a different Josh Allen.
1: What's happening? I just cannot. If Buffalo loses this game at home to the Patriots, their season is a train wreck. It's a team that went to the AFC title game last year. With their young stud quarterback. Comes back this year. Bills mafia. We're going to win the division. We're going to the Super Bowl. They go to Kansas City. They pound the Chiefs. And then it's just stumble and fumble and bumble your way through the season. And rally late after an embarrassing loss to the Patriots. Come back and win the division. You're at home. Against the Patriots. Are you going to put a stranglehold on the division for years to come? Or are you going to give it back to young Mac the knife? I'm sorry. As much as you tip the scale in Belichick's favor, I understand why he's not playing. The Bill's defense, rough and tough. The pass rush, Terrific. I have got to believe Josh Allen can make enough plays in this game. Diggs, run the ball, run the ball. You can run the ball. Try running the ball. 27, 13. Bills, move
0: on. It would be an embarrassing loss for Buffalo. No question about it. Eagles are at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay favored by eight and a half. I really don't have to get into much. I think it's the Bucks, and they're going to win this one against Jalen Hurts in his first soiree into the NFL playoffs. I'm rooting
1: so hard for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. I love the kid. I loved what he showed me in Alabama. Loved his class. Loved his style. Loved his improvement at Oklahoma. And I like what he's doing as a pro. People laughed when they drafted him in the second round. People question him to be an NFL starting caliber quarterback. He's done a wonderful job. He's gotten progressively better. Another quarterback, by everything you read and hear and listen, has the locker room. He has the veterans. This is his team. It's not the prettiest thing you'll ever see. I believe that Jalen Hurts and company will give the Bucks a snootful. His ability to scramble and make plays. The Eagles defense, of course, must put pressure on Brady. I believe early on, you will see a contest. Second half, all Bucks, 34-17. The defending champs, unfortunately, move on. The NFL
0: gets their wish in a historic rematch. Because the 49ers were victorious in the last week, they now go to Dallas to play the Cowboys spreads just free in favor of Dallas. So I uh, pick them if you include how the stadium will be. Although as we know from playing games at Dallas, the 49ers fans will travel and may potentially be louder than them. The Dallas defense. I give the edge to against Jimmy G and even if the Cowboys offense doesn't figure itself out, which they haven't seemingly all season ups and downs through the roof. I think they do just enough to move on.
1: I agree. Grudgingly. Because as much as we love the Dallas personnel, they haven't beaten anybody's any good all year. They've beat up on bad teams and they've even gotten beaten up by a particular mediocre team from Rocky Mountain Way, where they were embarrassed. Can Dak Prescott finally play well against a good team? Can that marauding pass rush get it done against a good team, not a crappy team? They've been beaten up on bums and taken no prisoners all year. This is a rough and tough bunch. How much did last week take out of them? How much did playing for their lives in overtime, go in the distance, getting roughed up a little bit in terms of injuries, but down the stretch, ramming the ball down the high-priced Rams defense throat. If they can do that to the Rams, why can't they do that to Dallas? If they can run the football against Dallas the way they did against the Rams, They'll win the game, barring a Jimmy G absolute train wreck of a game, a turnover fest. The key to me, pressure on Jimmy G. Not that mobile, bad thumb. He'll turn it over for you a couple times. Jimmy G throws a couple INTs in this game, he won't get away with it. I have to believe that Dak Prescott in that offense will make enough plays. And as much as I love Debo Samuel, who's been one of the very best players in the National Football League this year, and they're big tight end, and they're running it. That's the thing that scares me if I'm Dallas. If I'm a Dallas fan, I'm concerned at what they did to the Rams' defense in the second half, where time after time, they ran it right at them, right down their throat with their two running backs. And Samuel attacking from all corners. So this is a coin flip of a game for me, I believe, more than any other. I'm going to give the nod to Dallas, but it's really half-assed. I'm almost, if you put a gun to my head, I'm almost ready to say 49ers. Yeah. But I'm going to say Dallas just for Dallas' sake, because they're home. Dak, the weapons, Jerry Jones. However, this is, to me, the best, far and away, best opportunity for the underdog to not just cover, but to win the game. Because next,
0: to cap the night, Steelers at Chiefs, unfortunately, I don't think that would be it. As happy as I would be. To see the Chiefs lose, not necessarily to see the Steelers win because Big Ben in his goodbye tour has been put on a pedestal worthy of sanctum. I'm not sure if people remember who Big Ben is as a person, perhaps forgetting his life.
1: I'll take the Chiefs. The Big Ben farewell tour can't end soon enough. Farewell. Good riddance. Take your... 30 for 42 for 17 yards, all right, into retirement, (laughs) averaging 1.2 yards a throw with a quarterback rating of minus 30, enough already, enough. Please, Chiefs, finish them, finish them in style. 96. Let's have one of those. Give me a final score. We've never had before in the history of the NFL. How about 96 to three?
0: That's a good score. Gami.
1: I feel like if you get to
0: 96, you don't have to worry about what the other team's going to get to. I think, I think we'll get it.
1: (laughs) Please beat them in the submission. I don't want to hear another Mike Tomlin press conference. I don't want to see Boswell come out of the field and kick another game winning field goal. I, I just no more. Please. Big Ben, just go away. Thank you though for the nine wins.
0: Cardinals, Rams in a special Monday night football edition of the postseason. Anything to get another buck and more eyes on the game? Just one game, everybody will watch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Everybody falls for the trap. Cardinals at Rams. Spread is four in favor of Los Angeles. Two obsessed head coaches, two well-minded head coaches. A lot of pressure on said head coaches. I will take the Rams. I think they're more put together as far as their chemistry goes. Although I wouldn't trust Matt Stafford in a playoff game as far as I can throw him. I don't think this is the game for that to happen. Although I would not be surprised to see it with what Kyler Murray can sometimes do, but we also see the negative side where those throw it up for grabs plays don't go to the right team the run around and try to escape ends up in sacks i think that rams defense while they didn't really show it much against the 49ers in those last couple drives will do just enough to get the win the curious
1: case of kyler murray can he run around enough and create enough havoc to have the rams looking like a chinese fire drill on defense Can he cause enough concern that the next thing you know, Jalen Ramsey is ready to beat up another teammate? Screaming bloody murder at his fellow defensive mates. I think he'll cause some problems, but I don't think they'll be able to run the ball. Certainly not the way San Francisco did. And I think the Rams will bring enough pressure, create a couple turnovers. Then it's all on the quarterback who is under the most pressure above all above all else, above everyone, not even close, in this first week of the postseason. If you are the Rams and Matthew Stafford, after all they've done, traded their quarterback and two first round picks. The Rams don't have a first round pick until until two thousand thirty nine. They just keep trading them and bringing more high priced talent. You lost last week to the Niners again, blew your first halftime lead under this flyboy head coach. He was undefeated with the lead at halftime, first time he lost. If you lose in the first round of the playoffs with this quarterback, when you went further with the much maligned quarterback, you sent to the Russian front, into hibernation, to Detroit, of all places, a quarterback who also took you to the playoffs and the Super Bowl, and was awful in the Super Bowl, but took you deep into the playoffs in other years besides going to the Super Bowl. If Matt Stafford can't win his first playoff game with this team, then when? When? hasn't won a playoff, can you? If you're not going to win one now at home in your shiny new stadium against the Arizona Cardinals who fell apart down the stretch but are 8-1 and one on the road, keep that in mind, folks, 8-1 and one on the road. If you're not going to win your first playoff game now, then what the hell are you going to do? It? You can't play Pittsburgh. They're in the other conference. And it's no knock on the Cardinals. They had a terrific season. I don't understand why everybody's killing Cliff Kingsbury. Gone from five wins to eight wins, right? The double-digit wins. Yes, they faded down this stretch. A lot of injuries, both sides of the ball. I think Arizona will be respectable. I think they'll put up a good fight.
0: But Rams by a touchdown. But it's going to be an exciting slate of games, which is all we care about. And if you live in New York, now that gambling is legal, hopefully you enjoyed the first weekend of that.
1: But fade accordingly. After everything, and if you we live in said. New York, you got the best gift you could get for the postseason. If you're a Giant, they gave your bum the bum's rush. And Joe Judge is gone. The entire team and franchise needs an enema. This is the first step, so you can watch the sport in which you are not competing, because once again, neither one of your teams are anywhere near the postseason. But at least you can enjoy the fact that you won't have to worry about Joe Judge kicking your franchise around anymore. We said it here first 17, just perfect.
0: (laughs) No more laps for the Giants fan base either. If you were going by the Joe Judge system, if things aren't going well, if you miss something at practice, if you've wronged him in a way, you run some laps. Old school. Hey,
1: Joe, I'll see you on the steps.
0: Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week.
1: Folks, from our partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, aka Al from White Plains. This has been the best damn sports podcast, anytime, any place, anywhere. He's the new report. I'm the old report. Enjoy your NFL playoff weekend, everybody.